Welcome to That Psych Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. On this show, we talk about how to thrive in the sport of running, from on the road to in the kitchen to in your own mind. We hear inspirational stories from others and talk about the psychology behind it all. I'm so happy you're here and enjoy the show. As a PhD student in clinical psychology, you know I'm a huge fan of mental health. And mental health is not just the absence of mental distress, but it's also the presence of thriving and flourishing. And that's where therapy comes in. Therapy, regardless if you have a psychiatric diagnosis, is so good for you. Whether you're going through something stressful in life or you just want to learn how to grow and absolutely thrive. And that is why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, which is BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be so hard, especially when you're limited to the options that are in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in my description, which is betterhelp.com slash Sabrina10. So that's betterhelp.com slash Sabrina10, and that's like the number 10. Clicking that link helps support this channel, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating if you don't fit with that therapist, which is a common thing with therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. BetterHelp can help you not only feel better, but also just thrive in life regardless of where you're at or what you're going through. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash Sabrina10. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode. So today is kind of a special topic and it's something that I know can be sensitive for some runners right now, um, just given how hard it can be um, to hear the news um, that you don't make a certain time or don't make a qualification time based on your race results. Anyway, um, we are talking about the Boston Marathon 2024 and the cutoff times. I'm going to kind of give some factual things about cutoff times and qualification times. I'm going to give my personal opinions, and then I'm going to answer some of your questions and talk through some of your own opinions. So this is is, uh, like I said, a sensitive topic and not achieving a goal or going through something difficult like this can bring up some strong emotions. So if this is a topic that's going to be a little bit more challenging for you to discuss or hear, um, then I just encourage you to take a step away from this episode and take care of yourself because sports, they are a huge part of our identity and running and it's, it can be really hard when um, you don't achieve a goal. So all that being said, um, we are going to be talking about Boston Marathon 2024. What is with this cutoff time? So for those of you who don't know, um, 
or who maybe are new to the marathon world and you don't know, I guess, much about the Boston Marathon is the Boston Marathon is a very prestigious marathon. It is the most prestigious one in the world. And in order to gain entry to the Boston Marathon, you have two options. You can either meet a qualification time or you can run for charity. There's no lottery for Boston. Like there is Chicago, New York, Tokyo, London, like any of the other world major marathons where you can enter a lottery. Um, so that makes getting into the Boston Marathon pretty hard. Um, and the qualification times have changed throughout the years. And one big goal that a lot of runners have is to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So that tends to kind of be the unicorn or the dream, right? And that's like, quote unquote, the unicorn race that everybody hopes for. And um, granted, the logo for the Boston Marathon is a unicorn. um, So that's fitting. But that's kind of like Disneyland for runners, right? So when we get into the sport of running, right, maybe we're not a marathoner. Maybe we're going for half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks, which are another challenge in itself. Um, But if you get into the marathoning world, Boston Marathon is like a dream for, I'm not going to speak for all marathoners, but for most marathoners, it's a dream. And that was my dream kind of going into running. I didn't think it was possible for my first marathon until I went through my training and worked with my coach and we made so much progress. And then I, it it was a dream for me and it was unbelievable. And I was just so happy about it. Um, but it is kind of that ultimate goal and people can dig themselves into big holes to achieve this goal. And they can just sacrifice so much for this goal. And it can be so hard when you work your butt off, but you don't make this qualification time. And then on top of that, if you don't make the cutoff time, but you make the qualification time, that can be absolutely heartbreaking. So deep breath here. Let's kind of go over what a qualifying time for the Boston Marathon is versus what the cutoff time is. And I'm going to go through a little bit of history here. So this is just factual history. This is posted on BAA.org. So the Boston Athletic Association website. Um, Qualifying times were kind of instituted in 1970, and this was four hours. So any runner, no matter the gender, no matter your age, had to run under four hours for to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Um, and their field size at that time, though, was like just over a thousand athletes. So it was a pretty small race. Like my first marathon up at Bayshore was larger than this, and it's um most races do have more than a thousand runners in them. Um, so it was a pretty small field size, but again, four hours was that qualifying time. If only, right. If only that was still the qualification time now for everybody. Um, but in 1971, they were like, Oh my gosh, a lot of people can run sub four marathoners or sub four marathons. And we need to decrease it again. So in 1971, they decreased it to three hours and 30 minutes. And this stayed the same until about 1976. So the qualifying time for all genders, all age groups was three hours and 30 minutes. And this has kind of been a standard. This is the qualification time for my age group and gender right now. Um, Um, and that's how they moved it forward then. Um, and actually in 1972, also it was when women were allowed to run the race. So again, in 1970 and 1971, it was only men. Sorry, I forgot to mention that, but from 1972 to 1976, the women still had to meet that qualification standard. Um, so it was not a race that allowed both genders to run until 
about like the third year that it was taking place. And then in 1977 to 1979, they divided qualifying times by age and gender. So they just had two age groups. There was 19 to 39. That's a pretty broad range. And then 40 plus. And for men, um, the qualification time was a three hour, zero minutes. And for women, it was three hours and five minutes. And then 40 plus, everybody had to run 330. So again, that 330 has kind of been a solid, solid point for many of the years. Um, they continued throughout the years from the 1980s to the 1990s, adding different age groups and adding different qualifying times. So if we look between 1981 and 1983, um, they added a, well, they had a 19 to 39, 40 to 49, 50 to 59, and then 60 plus. And women just had to run under 330. It doesn't matter your age group, unless you are between 19 and 39, you actually had to run a 320. So there was a 320 qualifying time for women until about 1986. And that's if you were between 19 19 and 39. But then if you were uh, anywhere from 40 up, you had to run sub 330 for the longest time. So that's kind of where that 330 ideal race goal comes from, from many people is just having that consistent 330 be a qualifying time for women kind of throughout history. And then Finally, from 1990 to 2000, they added so many more age groups. And there was an 18 to 34 being the youngest age group. And then 70 plus was the oldest age group. And this was the first time that this young age group had a bit of a slower time. So it was three hours and 40 minutes, um, which is much, well, it's slower than what it is now. Um, and throughout the years, these times kind of stayed consistent um, throughout through 2012. And then in 2013, they decreased the qualifying times by like five minutes for each age group. So I'm just going to keep giving my example of my age group, um, 18 to 34 women, it moved from 340 to 335. But for many of you, there's between the ages of 18 and 100, there's going to be your qualifying time is probably going to uh, decrease a little bit. So just for context, in 2013 to 2019, men had to run a three hour, five minute, women 335. And then if you are 80 and over and you are a man, you have to run it um, under four hours, 55 minutes. And women had to run a sub five hour, 25 minute marathon. So that's for context. So these um times stayed the same until 2019. 2020 is when that 330 marathon came back for women and then a three-hour marathon came back for men between the ages of 18 and 34. Um, and that has stayed pretty much consistent and that has that is still the qualifying time right now um, for women and men in those age groups and the slowest that you can or the qualifying time for 80 and over for women is five hour 20 minutes and four hour 50 minutes for men. So again, it just decreased by like five minutes again. So um, now what we're going to go into is overall, so we talked about the qualifying time, right? And you have, that means that let's give my age group again. Um, if I am a woman between the ages of 18 and 34 within a specified time frame, in order to apply for the Boston Marathon, I have to run a sub 3.30 marathon. So that was my goal um, after some training going into my first marathon this spring. And I am so grateful I achieved it. And all I wanted to do was run a sub 3.30. 
So I did. And I was, I would have been happy with a 329. And then I ended up running a 321. So I was very excited about that. But all I wanted was a sub 330. I remember in the last 10K, and my coach was jogging by me for a few of those miles. And I was like, oh my gosh, like if I just run like 10 minute pace for the last six miles, I'll be fine. I'll still qualify. He's like, yeah, like, of course. And then he's like, but you've got this. And I like wanted to slow down so bad. But I was like, no, you're right. And I'm glad I didn't. I'm really, really glad I didn't. And we'll talk about that in a second. So let's say you apply for the Boston Marathon, you hit that qualification time, you run a sub 330, you run a 329, and you're like, yay, submit my application. Um, Then what the Boston Athletic Association does is they accept a certain amount of people in each age group. So they have a certain field size each year, and that's the amount of runners that they can accept into the race. And For 2012, for example, the field size was 27,000, and 2024 this year, it is 30,000. 2020 was their largest field size. This is actually the year that the qualification time, they had to decrease it a little bit, and this was 31,500. So that was the largest, or no, 20, sorry, 2014 was their largest field size, and that was when they had 36,000, but a close second was 2020, um, right before the pandemic, which is, yeah. Not fun. Um, they did have to reduce the field size in 2021 for the pandemic to 20,000 participants. Um, and that is for obvious reasons, social distancing and all of that stuff. So anyway, right, they only can accept a certain amount of people. And it's based on your qualify- qualifying time. So you can apply for the Boston Marathon, but they can only accept the fastest people within each age group. So that means, right, you could run a 329, but Every let's say the 10,000 people or 5,000 people they're accepting in your age group are all running faster than you. So you won't be able to get in because of their field size. So historically, this what has happened is there have been cutoff times. And this is where if you get into the Boston Marathon, um, but you don't you are not fast enough for that age group um, to make it in, this is the time that you would have to run. So for example, in 2012, the cutoff time was one minute and 14 seconds. So that means you had to run like a uh, three hour and 20, let's just say three hour, like 28 minute, 30 second marathon or something to be safe. Um, So even if you ran like a cutoff had a cutoff time of like 115 you still wouldn't make it in unfortunately um and it's really tragic and the cutoff times have gotten a little bit bigger but they've really fluctuated throughout the years so for example 2014 it was 138 2015 it was 102 so you could run like a 328 58 marathon um 2016, it was 228. So that's where we see a pretty big jump. And again, we want to look at when super shoes were invented. So if we notice trends here, 209 was in 2017. There was a pretty big cutoff time in 2018 and 2019. 2018 was 323 and 2019 was 452. So that was a pretty big one. And that's when people were like, oh my gosh, I have to run a 325 marathon now in order to actually run the Boston Marathon. I could train my butt off for a sub 330, but if I run a 328 and achieve my goal, I might not actually run the Boston Marathon. Um, We see a pretty low cutoff time in 2020 because they uh, expanded their field size of 139. But then in 2021, this is when they had to reduce that field size, like I said. So the cutoff time was 747. So that was a big 
big cutoff time. That was their largest cutoff time that they've ever had. So this would be saying like somebody would have to run like a 322 marathon in order to actually get accepted to the Boston Marathon, even though they were able to apply if they ran between the 322 and uh, 330. So during that year, 9,215 participants were not accepted or qualifiers were not accepted. But 2019 did have a pretty decent amount as well. This was that pretty big cutoff time. And again, this is when that rise in super shoes really started to increase. And so there were 7,248 qualifiers that were not accepted that year, which is huge. 2022 and 2023 was a very interesting year. They had no cutoff times. They accepted everybody that qualified. So you could run a 329.59.999 and you would be accepted into the Boston Marathon, which is amazing. And with 2023, right? And so going into 2024, right, where we're at right here, people thought, oh, they haven't had cutoff times the past two years. They haven't just like not accepted anybody who qualified. So why would they do that this year? And a lot of people were expecting them to kind of stick to this and accepting everybody who qualifies because qualifying is such a freaking big deal, you guys. Like, it's huge. If you qualify for Boston, do you realize how fast you are? Like, okay, less than 1% of the world does a marathon and then 4% of marathoners run Boston. So that's like 0.04 of the population. Oh, oh, four of the population. You are faster than. So that's amazing. Um, so then 2024 kind of came as a shock, right? So I was personally in this boat as well. I was nervous. I submitted my qualification time, which was a 321. And I, I mean, I was pretty confident that the cutoff time, the cutoff time has never been that drastic, but I was nervous because I saw that there were a lot of people applying. And then the Boston Athletic Association posted on their Instagram saying like, Hey, we got a lot of people applying this year. So just kind of, they were, it was like a subtle way of getting the heads up saying like, Hey, we're going to have a cutoff time this year, which was hard for a lot of people to hear and take. Um, so ultimately in 2024, the cutoff time was 529 because of how many people applied. And this, the field size is still 30,000. It's still the same as it was in 2022 and 2023 when the cutoff times didn't exist. And so now people are just getting so fast. So it's 529 is the cutoff time. And I have friends that ran a, they were 530 past the cutoff time. So like, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really a shock, I feel like, to the running community. And it's also, it was hard for a lot of people on just in this running community. So how many qualifiers were not accepted for this year? It was 11,039. That is the largest number of qualifiers that were not accepted to the Boston Marathon to date. So this was a huge shift, a huge change to the running community. And it put a lot of people in a really dark place. So I am very grateful to have had to have run the race that I did in May and have qualified and have made the cutoff time. I truly would be heartbroken if that was the case. And I know so many people are heartbroken from that. And I remember the moment I crossed that finish line and I saw that qualification time, the first thing I said was I'm going to Boston. And I went up to friends and other people said the same thing. They were like, oh, I'm going to Boston. This is awesome. And then they didn't make the cutoff time. So having that moment at the finish line and being able to be like, oh my gosh, like I get to run this marathon. And then 
realizing later in the year that I actually don't, it's so hard, right? So if you are listening to this podcast right now and you qualified for Boston this year and you didn't make the cutoff time, I just want to know, I want you to know that my heart goes out to you. I feel for you. I'm here for you. And it is not in your control or your fault. And it doesn't make you any less of a runner. It does not make you any less speedy. It does not make you any less strong. You are incredible. You absolutely are incredible if you qualified for Boston, even if you didn't qualify for Boston. Like seriously, like marathon running is a feat and it's literally putting your body through so much trauma and like, it's a huge accomplishment in itself. So anyway, all that being said, like, I want you to know if you were in this group that did not make the cutoff time, grieve, take the time to grieve, right? Okay. So psychological literature, right? It shows that we tend to be most dissatisfied if we come closer to failing from a goal. And this is what I mean. Studies have shown that silver medalists are actually more depressed than bronze medalists. And this is because they realized they were closer to the first place. They were closer to gold. Um, Same thing with, right, a marathon. Like a lot of you might have, let's say you're trying to qualify for Boston and you miss the BQ by like 30 seconds. So you run a 3.30.30. But you are going to be more upset likely than somebody who runs the marathon and 350 because you were closer to that goal. And so when our brains see that we have a goal and they can envision us doing something and they have this reality and this future planned out and that gets kind of dashed or your expectations kind of get thwarted, that causes more psychological distress than just not achieving the goal in itself. So this is what I mean, right? Let's say you had a goal this spring to run a BQ time. And let's say you run your hardest race and unfortunately you don't BQ. Let's say you still ran great and I'm still so proud of you and you should be proud of yourself too. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Like I'm a terrible runner. No, you are not a terrible runner. I love you. I'm here for you and I'm proud of you. Okay. Let's say you run your best race. Okay. But you miss the cutoff by, or not the cutoff, but like, you know, you miss the BQ time by like 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes, whatever. Or... Option B, situation B, you run your best race and you achieve your goal. You run a three-hour and 27-minute marathon. You are so over-the-top excited about this. You are absolutely thrilled and you achieved your freaking goal. So you're just pardoning it up. You are so excited. You're planning for Boston. You're making your hotel reservations in May like everybody suggests. And you are just daydreaming of this weekend and this race from the moment you cross that finish line in spring. So now let's get to September. and. Person A, right? You didn't qualify, so you're not going to apply for Boston. And you've kind of already gone through that grieving process of saying like, hey, I didn't make my goal and that's okay. And it sucks. It really sucks that I didn't make my goal, but you're probably working towards something else right now. And you probably have taken that time to process. Person B, you're like, I BQ'd. This is awesome. Let's apply. I'm so excited to run this race. They didn't have cutoff times the last few years, right? You have this future of this race envisioned in your mind. And then you get the email and it says, I'm sorry, regret to inform you. You are not accepted, right? Which situation would you be most upset in? right? It's probably going to be option B. I mean, working hard towards something and then having it taken away from you 
elicits more of a grieving process than not achieving that goal that you worked for. And that's because, right, you can achieve that goal and you can envision it, but you always have that other part of you that says, hey, here's what I'm going to do. If you're anticipatory coping, which I highly recommend you do, and that's kind of planning like what to do if you don't achieve your goal, right? Because you've already planned out like, okay, here's my goal. You probably set ABC goals because you're a runner and you're type A and you like to plan. Um, And then you're like, okay, here's what I'll do, right? And you've kind of gone through that process mentally, but you don't really think of what if I achieve this goal and then the results from that goal or the expectations or the rewards from achieving that goal are not there. They aren't manifested. They don't come to fruition. That's going to elicit more of grief. So you are going to go through that denial. You're going to be like, no, 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 there's no way, right? There's no way that the cutoff time is that low or that high, whatever. And then you're going to get angry. You might say like, I'm so mad at this process, at BAA, at running. You might take your anger out on other people. You might be upset. Then you're going to go through like this thing called bargaining. So I'm just going through like, you know, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross stages of grief. Um, You're going to be like, okay, okay, maybe I sign up for this other marathon and then I achieve this goal. And then I, you know, requalify or maybe I can raise 5,000 money or $10,000 for charity. And then you start to be like, okay, this is not happening. You're still kind of in that denial phase. And then you kind of get a little bit depressed and you're going to experience some depression for a little bit. And that's normal. I mean, not everybody, but you might, you might experience some depression from not making this cutoff time. You're going to feel down. You're going to say, oh, right. I had this future planned and I, I wanted this weekend so bad and now I can't have it. Right. You're going to go through a sad, hard time and it's going to be rough. You're going to grieve the expectation, the future, the goal that you thought was possible and this whole experience. And then finally, you are going to get into an acceptance phase. The grieving process doesn't last forever. I want to tell you it lasts for as long as it needs to last for you. The grieving process of not making this cutoff time, not achieving your goal is not a one size fits all. Some people go through this within two minutes. They're like, oh, dang it. Oh, I'm so angry, sad. What? No. And then they're like, okay, I, I understand. Like, let's move out. Like, let's cope. Let's feel it. And some people need a while to feel sad. Some people need a week. Some people need a month. And if that's you, that's okay. But make sure if you are feeling so down and this is really weighing on you and it's taking a toll on your mental health, I would highly suggest reaching out for help. Um, so I think this would also be an appropriate time to talk about today's sponsor of the episode, which is BetterHelp, and they are a online therapy platform, and you can connect with a licensed therapist um, anywhere in the country um, or in your state, however your insurance works, but they are fantastic. You can meet one-on-one with your therapist, and it is And if you don't have a good match with your therapist, um, they can match you with somebody else. And if you use the link in the show description, you can get 10% off your first three months. And I personally love BetterHelp. I use BetterHelp myself and I know so many people who do. And it is truly a life-changing platform because you can connect with so many people that help you. And they specialize in so many different things too. So you, there's a whole intake assessment and you kind of talk about like what's going on for you, what are you dealing with? And they match you with someone specifically for you. And if you don't like that match, easy enough to switch. So anyway, I thought I would give a little plug there. So enter code, um, 
enter the code below, which I will link down in my description. And I'll probably put another ad here later. But anyway, I do want to get back to the point, though, saying that if you are in that depression phase, right, it's normal to feel sad. It's normal to hurt after achieving that goal. And I don't want you to wallow in this forever and ever. I don't want to to affect your mental health as much as it should. Like, yes, it's going to it might put you down for a little bit. And that's okay. You need to take the time to feel down. Take the time to say, hey, this sucks right now. But then after that, take the time to work through that and use that energy, use that motivation, use that passion to fuel something else. And if you do feel a little bit burnt out from running, maybe that's an area to explore too. Maybe say if your goal was to qualify and then be done with running because you just wanted to run the Boston Marathon, maybe explore where that's coming from. Because if you were at such a place where you were like, okay, I just need to qualify for Boston and then I'm done. Maybe you're feeling a little bit burnt out. Maybe explore. Say, why do I want to be done? Why was Boston my goal? Why is this a one and done type of thing? If you are the other type of person who signs up for more marathons, go for it, right? Use this. I mean, of course, make sure you're doing it safely, smartly, work with a coach. Um, But if you are feeling upset, use that upset energy to fuel your next goal. And also recognize, right, that there's nothing you could have done better to control the situation. There is nothing you could have done. And that's one, it's a hard reality. And two, it's promising, right? You give it your all and you ran the best you could at the race that you qualified for Boston for. And what happens when you don't make that cutoff time that's completely out of your control? That changes nothing about your running performance. That changes nothing about your speed or how amazing of a runner you are or how you get, like got down that gel at mile 20 when you, all you wanted to do was barf, right? That does not change the fact that you train for months for weeks for this race. That does not change the fact that you are a strong runner. That does not change the fact that you can't make Boston again another year if you want to. So the results of the cutoff time are independent of how good of a runner you are and how you ran that race. So I want you to take this moment. And if you haven't yet, I want you to give yourself a big hug. Tell yourself how freaking proud you are of yourself for running that race. And one, qualifying for Boston is huge. Recognize that as well. That's a major accomplishment. And I know there's always runners, right? We're type A. We always want to keep going for more and more and more and do the best we can. But sometimes that's just like, it's it's not always going to elicit the results that we want. So just know that be proud of yourself. I know it can be so easy to look at this and be like, hey, I'm done. Like, I'm so defeated. But say like, hey, no, I accomplished a lot and I'm really proud of myself and I'm going to keep pursuing my goals. So anyway, off of my little soapbox, my tangent, but I just want to say I'm proud of you. I am so proud of you. Also, my puppy is like playing with her toys in the background and they're squeaking really loud. So I'm really sorry if you hear her. Oh my gosh. And also she just tooted. So, okay. Anyway, there's like nothing off limits in this episode, I swear, or in this podcast in general. Anyway, that is my approach. And I just want you to know again that I'm proud of you. You should be proud of you. And if you're feeling really low from this, reach out for support, reach out for help. And just know that like, 
this is not the end of the world, right? Boston is such a moving target, right? One year, there's going to be a one minute cutoff. Another year, there's going to be zero. Another year, there's going to be a seven minute cutoff. And it's really up in the air. So just knowing, right, going into training, knowing that the, like, the cutoff time is out of your control is huge. It is absolutely huge. So just know that, like, if you went into this thinking that there would be no cutoff time, that's a totally normal expectation, right? But I think nowadays we have to kind of prepare ourselves to cope and preparation and like thinking what is the best case scenario in this situation, right? You get in and the, there's her squeaking. And what is the worst case scenario in this situation? And that's that you don't make the cutoff time. And just preparing yourself and how you're going to cope in either situation is huge. So that's advice that I have as well. Anyway, um, so my puppy, while she is squeaking her toys, I'm going to get to some of your questions and your opinions. And I'm going to kind of talk through some of these opinions as well and kind of give my stance on it too. So... Okay, so one opinion that somebody gave is... Boston should be a lottery like every other world major. That is a good opinion. And I think that would be pretty cool too. I think I agree with that. I think that there should be some lottery element to it. I mean, the hard thing about Boston is that like, it is like a smaller city, but I totally agree. There should be a lottery. Like, yeah, it'd probably be like, a hard lottery but like I mean we're used to lotteries as runners if you're a marathon runner who like wants to run all the world majors like you know like applying for New York like it's really tough to get in and like I don't know I want to keep applying to New York until I like can actually like randomly get picked but yeah I honestly think that's a great idea and I think that would be a good way to get more people to run and honestly it would make more money too the BAA would make more money by doing like a lottery element as well um yeah. So another question is that, do you think people are getting faster or are more people running and applying? I think there's a combination of both here. And that's why I think the like the cutoff time is so high. So people are getting faster and we know that, right? The trends in the world records and the marathon and have in like all of the distances are getting so freaking speedy. Even high schoolers these days are like ripping out times that we never thought were possible. And this is for a few reasons, right? We have super shoes now that are insanely fast. These super shoes have technology that are absolutely like so well designed that like it can literally shave off like I don't even know how much for, like a lot of time off of your marathon or your half marathon. But like the marathon is the most significant just because it is longer distance. So it is going to result in like a bigger time cut off. So one super shoes two nutrition, right? The nutrition science recently has been just amazing. It has been like so well formulated and we know that so many products are coming out to help runners run their best, run fast. So there's not as many people who are suffering from those nutritional deficiencies and more people are able to um, have the nutrition they need to run fast. And also there's technology, right? There's all sorts of technology to help with runners. There's sort of strength training routines. There's recovery techniques. There's boots. There's whatever else it is, like electrical stimulation. Like runners are just better now and faster because they have better nutrition, recovery, and super shoes, which we all know and love. So that is my opinion on that. Um, someone said, I know they are likely doing it for a reason, but sorry for the squeaking. Sad that people qualify and don't run. Yeah, it is really sad. And I want to express that and validate that. And yeah, I agree. It is really, really sad. And again, it's hard. So go through that grieving process and know that it's normal. 
Um, I think I see a couple of comments or questions regarding the BAA should remove a cutoff, but make qualifying times more restrictive or hard. That honestly, yes, I completely agree with this. And I know some of you are like, wait a second, why have to run faster to qualify for Boston? Because it is a good goal. But here's the thing. If your goal is to run, if you want to qualify for Boston so you can run the Boston Marathon, it's going to be more heartbreaking when you run the qualifying time and don't get in than working a little bit longer and harder for that qualifying time and then being able to have more confidence knowing that you are going to run it, right? It's going to be easier psychologically, even though it might take longer, right? We're humans. We like instant gratification, especially in this world, and knowing that like, okay, I'm aiming for a 330 and I qualified, right? But then if we don't get in, that's really hard. But it might take a little bit longer. Let's say they move it to a 315, hypothetically, right? We might have to train longer and we might have to train harder and we will. But when you get in, knowing that you are in and you don't have to deal with that anxiety all year of knowing if your qualification time was enough, that is more psychologically soothing than just living in that nervousness and living in that uneasiness all the time. So I do agree with that. I think they should make it restrictive. Um, and again, I don't think I'm even, if they move it to 315, I'm not fast enough yet. I ran a 319. Like I, they might move it to a time that is going to be really fast and that's okay because we can work towards that. And running Boston is not like a, we have to do it now. We have our whole lives. It's so easy to look on social media and see like, everybody's running Boston, everybody's running marathons, everybody's PRing. And like, it makes you feel like you need to do that now. But just take a step back and realize you have your whole life as a runner. You want to be durable. You want to stay healthy. You want to be in this for the long run, literally. And oh my gosh, my dog agrees with obviously her squeaking toys. I'm so sorry if you guys can hear that. If I take it away though, she will destroy my carpet. So please bear with me and enjoy the background music. But yeah, like it might be more restrictive and we might have to work harder, but like that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And like, we can, like, we're in it for the long run. Seriously. Like we don't have to run Boston next year. You don't have to run Boston in 10 years. Let's say you qualify, you finally qualify and make that time. And there's no cutoff times and you're like 40. That's still amazing. And like, I like if this, let's say hypothetically, this last year is the one I can run Boston. Cause they like decrease their qualification times sometime soon. I would be okay with having to train for a faster marathon in the future, knowing that like there won't be a cutoff time. So anyway, this is really up to you. And like, I resonate with any opinion and I agree that there's good and bad sides to both. But at the same time, that's what I think would be more psychologically soothing. And everybody's different, right? Some people like the angst. Some people like not knowing. And that's okay. That's totally you. But either way, just like plan ahead, cope. And then somebody asked... Oh yeah. So the, like the last like five people just asked, like, are they going to change cutoff times? I have no idea. I do not work for the BAA. I am not affiliated with them in any way, shape or form. Um, I am simply running their marathon. Um, I don't know, but probably this is, I mean, I've heard that they will probably be making their times more restrictive and I don't know what that's going to look like in the future. And I don't know how they're going to do things, but it's again, all up in the air and it's a gamble and a moving target and we'll see. So to wrap this episode up, I just want to, again, emphasize that one, if you qualified for Boston, you are amazing. If you run in general, if you run marathons, like you are amazing. Do not discount yourself. Two, if you qualified and didn't make the cutoff time, 
That does not have anything to do with your worth. It does not have anything to do with how well good or well-rounded of a runner you are. Three, if you did not make this cutoff time, allow your time to grieve. Allow your time to feel sad and then process through it and move on. Like, not move on, but, you know, you grow from it. And then again, like, I don't know what the future holds, but just know that, like, you can control all the controllables. And sometimes that's not going to elicit the results that we want. And during those times, you have support, you have love, and you have people on your side that are going to help you navigate this. So just like, just know that you aren't alone. And there are so many other runners. There's 11,000 runners that are going through the same thing as you right now. So like, just know that you're not alone in this. And I'm here for you guys. Other runners are here for you guys. The running community is a beautiful place. And if you really are struggling with this news, just make sure to reach out for help and get support where you need it. Um, I also do want to put a disclosure here that we talked about some things about grief affecting mental health. This episode is not a replacement for therapy or mental health counseling. And again, if you are struggling or need support, please reach out to a um, or a professional. So thank you for listening to this and I'm so proud of all of you and I love all of you guys and I'm just so grateful for all of you. So have a wonderful day and I will see you in the next episode.